Value-based care is a common term in healthcare today. What is OHSU's role and who are the people leading our work in this area? It's Tuesday, November 13th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. In the first of a two-part series, Jennifer Smith talks with Emily Barclay and Eugene Cardi about how OHSU defines value and population health. Well, thanks for sitting down with me today. Before we have you introduce yourselves, I was going to ask you to just describe what value in healthcare means to you. Emily? Value in healthcare to me means helping provide patients with all of the resources and tools they need to achieve um, the best health that they can have. That's quality of life, that's outcomes, really empowering the patient to live the best life that they can. Great. Jean? I think Emily did a fantastic job describing value in healthcare. When I think of value in healthcare, I also think of it from that patient-centered standpoint. Um, How are we best serving the patient to give them the ability to live their best lives? Um, a focus on wellness and um, coordination, and really being a partner with the patient. So Emily, what is your role here at OHSU? I am the Director of Primary Care and Population Health, and I am fortunate enough to get to work with primary care leadership, along with practice plan administration to help drive population health strategy here at OHSU. And Jean, what do you do here at OHSU? My role is the Director of Value-Based Care here at OHSU. Um, it's primarily responsible for working with the specialty areas in the, in the hospital um, to partner to chart strategy and execute the tactical initiatives that will allow OHSU to successfully redesign their care and um, perform well in a value-based marketplace. Can you describe value-based care and what benefits it provides patients? To me, the benefits that value-based care provides to patients is really meeting them where they're at. So really redesigning the way that we deliver care so that patients are not consistently having to come into the office to get what they need. Doing things like e-consults, virtual visits, helping to ensure we have appropriate staffing to provide care management to those that are higher risk or in need of behavioral health resources. So to me, value-based care is a menu of different types of services that patients can access outside of a traditional face-to-face fee-for-service model. Yeah, I I think that's great. I think um, we'll continue to come back to the same sort of theme. And really what we're talking about is is a patient-centered model, um, an approach that allows the patients, as Emily said, um, to draw from a menu of care options that in a lot of ways are non-traditional to healthcare, delivering virtual care. Um, providing coordinated care beyond just your moments in the hospital. Um, very few of our patients get sick in front of us. Um, we, we need to really go and, and meet them where they are, provide the predictability and, and service, um, the quality that they expect. Um, again, to get back to what we, we talked about earlier when we were introducing value and, and promoting a sense of wellness um, that is specific to the patient. So on the flip side of that, what's the role of clinicians in value-based care? 
clinicians are really the leader of, of value-based care in, in my mind. Um, they are the ones who have the consistency of relationship with the patients that can really help us understand what are going to be the meaningful care redesign initiatives that are going to both bring value to the patient as well as the provider in their interactions. Um, it's very relationship-oriented, um, and I think that the way I look at our role is to help support that and, and be the, the operational partner to drive that change. Piggybacking a little bit on what Jean said, the clinicians are the ones who have the relationship developed with the patient. So I really look to them to help us understand where we need to go in order to better care for our patients. I also think value-based care and care delivery redesign provides us a unique opportunity to help address some of the provider burnout that we know has taken place. So I really look forward to seeing how some of these different efforts will help to creatively support our clinicians and the practices so we can improve on that. Can you expound a little bit on that? That's an interesting aspect of this. I mean, in in a perfect world, how would you envision, you know, burnout being reversed in a situation that is a clinician leading value-based care? A large part of uh, value-based care to me is really a team care delivery model. So how we incorporate other staff members to help care for patients. So those are things like nurse care managers, behavioral health resources, pharmacists, farm techs, panel coordinators. And I think the role that staff like that will play in helping relieve the burden that some of our physicians are feeling uh, will be huge. So can we talk a little bit about the term population health and how your work relates to this idea. So I would broadly define that as you know tracking health outcomes in a group of people. But what is your interpretation of that term and what does it mean to you in your work? I think you're not far off from the definition, Jennifer. Um, to me, I would define population health as our ability to understand and define any given population of patients in order to better manage their care and really drive outcomes and improvement in those outcomes. So populations to me are really a dynamic component in in the value-based care equation. I think um, to Emily's point, our ability to be able to identify different populations and recognize that they are not static but move across the care continuum and be able to deliver the right-sized service with the right care team at that right time where that patient is currently in their population. So we could be a talking about a very healthy, stable population. Um, we could also, who, who need very limited services, regular traditional things that you would consider, um, maybe delivered in a different way. Um, I know I could be happy skipping some of my um, regular visits to do them um, virtually, but also looking at populations that are in need of more intense services and need those more coordinated out into their communities. And Jean, why do we care about population health? Well, Jennifer, I mean, I think that that gets to the heart of our mission, right? If we are providing services and wellness to to all Oregonians, um, we need to be able to understand where they're coming from and, and why they're seeking out our services. One way for us to do that is to be able to look at them in a, in a population-based way. That also allows us to develop an infrastructure um, that will allow us to support the different populations and the different needs that they have, um, no matter where they are on the care continuum, whether it be a very healthy person seeking very limited services, or if it needs some, or if it's someone who needs a little bit more intensive care um, across multi different um, 
care team members. Great. So thinking forward, how much of a role do you think value-based care will play in the future as opposed to the traditional fee-for-service model? I believe that value-based care is really where we're going. I think developing some of these infrastructures like the Primary Care Leadership Council and some of these new roles that we've seen really speaks to the investment that OHSU is making in ensuring we are able to succeed in value-based care. We know that MACRA is not going away and really um, will help provide kind of the roadmap for where we need to go to ensure we are moving away from uh, purely a fee-for-service model of care. I think that patients are also starting to demand services that are outside of them having to come into the practices. And Emily, I heard you say Primary Care Leadership Council for our listeners. Can you describe what that group is? Absolutely. The Primary Care Leadership Council is a group that's been up and running for about, gosh, three years now and is made up of uh, clinician representatives from each of our four primary care departments and divisions, along with practice plan and hospital administration. Uh, That group has really come a long way in the three years that they've been developing their structure. They help to make decisions and guide strategy related to population health and primary care to ensure that we are skating to the puck. So this is kind of a broad philosophical question, but why are government payers, if I'm correct, more likely to dive into value-based care projects, you know, as opposed to our commercial payers? Quite frankly, because they're the ones who are are quickly running out of money to continue to support a volume-based care system. CMS has been known to sort of drive change. For example, in the in the specialty care area or in the, in the hospital-based um, care, um, one of the initiatives that they're really pushing is a bundled payment project, where we are looking to identify the quality and cost outcomes for um, discrete patient populations within an episode of care um, beyond simply the hospital stay. Um, so that will cover the 90 days post-acute care. CMS has done things like this before um, for um, those of you who have who've been here longer or, or are a student of healthcare history. Um, you'll remember the, the shift to the DRG-based uh, model in the 80s. Um, it's a similar thing, but now beyond looking at simply the the cost and quality outcomes within the inpatient stay, we're now looking at it 90 days post. Um, and that really is driven to help patients recover better. Um, there's an upstream component to that as well, where we're looking to identify, is this patient optimized for the care they're going to receive, particularly in an elective um, procedure? Of the more emergent or non-elective procedures, we then look to sort of bring um, this coordinated care model to uh, the patient as soon as possible to make sure that should they have come in for a reason other than an elective procedure, they're prepared to go home and recover there. So if you could give a friend one or two pieces of advice when it comes to finding value in healthcare, what would you say? I think that what I've learned over the past few years that I've been working on population health efforts here is that uh, it's an iterative process. 
uh, transformational work can be challenging at times. And I think what I love most about the teams that I'm fortunate enough to work with is that we continue to try. We're always searching for data-driven approaches to really improve the health of the populations we care for. I think that that resiliency and the gusto to continue to search for how to best provide value to our patients is a really phenomenal thing here at OHSU. Yeah, I think I would I would echo a number of those statements. I would ask them to to be involved. I mean, what we're really looking to do with with the move to value is how do we begin to empower patients to take um, a broader ownership of their health care and the wellness. Um, I think we're seeing this with the move to consumerism. Um, the health industry will move as patients begin to demand um, more accessibility, uh, more predictability and transparency and cost. Um, and by and large, I believe that um, everyone I've talked to, whether it be patient or clinician or administrator, feels the same way. We're all looking to figure out, as Emily said, how to transform this. Um, and that is uh, best done through a, a broad-based dialogue. What do you enjoy most about your jobs? Uh, for me, I would say the mission, this consistent effort to try to improve the care that we provide to patients. Uh, secondarily to the mission, I would say the people, uh, the physicians, the leaders, those on the front lines that I'm able to work with are all incredibly passionate, and they're the real reason why we're going to be successful in value-based care. Beyond the mission and the people, which Emily is spot on, this is one of the most exciting moments to be working in healthcare. I really believe this. Um, I get to get up every day and come into work and be curious, um, learn from a number of great people, apply those learnings to really big and difficult problems. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to add? Uh, I think just echoing on something Jean spoke to earlier is just the opportunity that we have to engage others as we move forward with this work. Uh, I think we both have been fortunate to work with a number of diverse stakeholders who are helping to kind of lead this charge, but it will take a much broader base of uh, folks that are the experts here to help us be successful. I think the other thing that I want people to know is uh, we have a number of really positive things in the works already. Um, things that the HCC team is doing to ensure that we are uh, demonstrating the acuity level of patients that we care for. We have this primary care leadership council that is really helping to drive this strategy and a number of other work groups really focused on improving the care that we provide to patients. So just making sure folks know there is no lack of work to be done. We would love to see people start to proactively engage in some of that. Wonderfully said, Emily. I would, I would ask for um, people to reach out to both Emily and I, if, if they're curious, if they're, if they're hearing this, what kind of work. I know we are doing a lot of work trying to socialize the message and, and bring groups into this conversation. Um, it's difficult. It's a very large organization. Um, everyone is doing um, a lot of good work in their areas. 
when I'm going around, what I see is a lot of this work that everyone is doing is really contributing to what I believe we do deliver great value to our patients at the moment. I think now we're just needing to think about it a little bit different, move beyond sort of that present-based value to say, what do we want our our transformative value to be moving into the future? And and how do we begin to expand that? So I, I think this sort of idea that everyone can be part of this conversation is, is great and everyone has very um, innovative and creative ideas so um, I'd love to hear them so please do reach out and uh, I think that's my hope well Emily Jean thanks again for sitting down with us today thank you thank you OHSU week is a production of strategic communications this episode was produced by Jennifer Smith and edited by Josh Anderson I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.